Hello and welcome to Automators, the automation podcast where we talk about taking your technology, introducing it to the way you work and getting it to do all of those things for you. I am Rosemary Orchard and joined by my pal and co-host David Sparks. Hey David, how are you? I am great, Rose. Uh, Looking forward to talking about automation with you today. We've got kind of some big project we're doing for the automators that has turned into an Mm. episode. That's always fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because, you know, it's one of these things with this show where, you know, we do practice what we preach, but sometimes it's also fun to just like lift the curtain a little and show folks what's happening behind the scenes because we have some pretty awesome automation that helps us build the show. Obviously, you know, David and I haven't just like given our voices over to AI and given it a a topic and had it, you know, produce stuff for us yet. Um, But uh, we are certainly looking at using automation to uh, you know, help us with the show. So, you know, the planning and, and the the setup and the show notes and things like that, which is definitely, you know, beneficial to both of us so that we don't have to do so much legwork on that and we can just focus on the fun topics. Rosemary Orchard is a well-known host of several popular podcasts. Oh, sorry, that was my robot. <laughs> have you ever noticed like, like AI always gets facts wrong about people. Like I was going to do a yeah. bit where you were like the host of national public radio or something, because it just, yeah, I don't get it. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I asked, um, uh, one of the, the, um, I can't remember which bot it was at some point about me. And it told me that I was one of the co-hosts of Mac power users. I was really excited by that because I, I thought Steven had just like, you know, decided to, to like let Pack me have, uh, MPU yeah. for like a month or so. Um, and that, you know, the chat GPT or whatever it was, it got this information from him. And I, I asked him, he was like, nah, nah, sorry, I'm keeping it. It's like, darn it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it is uh, bad at that kind of stuff, but you know, we have not, it kind of does raise a point. We're just going to talk about briefly is we haven't covered AI much here on the automators podcast, but mm-hmm. that is something we will talk about next year because there are uses for it. There are things it is good at. It's not, you know, it's even though it's not good at facts, I think there are other things you can use it for as an automator. But uh, we we have we are tracking, we are researching, and we will have stuff to talk about on that in the future. Yeah, yeah, we definitely will. And I think it's it's one of these things as well where the the most important stuff with all this is understanding not just um, you know, that it exists, but how it works. So, you know. I have been using ChatGPT for a number of things at work. Like uh, at one point I was, for reasons, I'm not going to go into the whole backstory, but for um, reasons at one point a couple of weeks ago, I wore a cat in the cat, a cat in the hat hat um, to stand up. Um, and somebody said that I needed to deliver uh, my update in rhyme because the cat in the hat rhymes. Yeah. Um, and so I asked ChatGPT to help me write a rhyme version of what I was going to say. And I had to modify it a bunch because it, took out some pretty important words that would have, you know, ruined the meaning that was actually important to what I was trying to deliver, but it did help me get it to rhyme. So, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. So yeah, understanding the limitations of technology that's in front of you is always very important. Yeah. And this uh, AI is not going away. I feel like it is actually going to get a lot better. And for people trying to be more productive with their technology, there may be an upside here, but we'll get there. And uh, uh, that's not why we're here today. We're here today because of a little app called Notion, which Rose and I, I will, I'm going to speak for you, Rose. I feel like we've both been aware of this app for a long time, but it seems like yeah. the last six months or so, it has become more prominent in both of our lives. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, there were a couple of problems with the idea of using Notion um, when um, a lot of people first hopped on the Notion bandwagon. 
Uh, one of them hasn't been resolved and it's that it doesn't work offline, but um, for what we're going to be using it for, that's not going to be a problem. And the other problem for me was that it was a closed system. Like there was no API to get data in or data out really. You know, there was an export, but, you know, that that only works if you're willing to export everything and then sift through the data. Um, and I needed an API with automation options to really be able to take full advantage of it. And we got an API and we got some other stuff. And now it's at the point where you and I, David, have decided that we're moving automators into Notion from our previous system. And it seems to be working pretty well so far. I'm quite excited by it. Yeah, it, I think Notion is a tool so long as you understand its limitations uh, can be useful. It, it, it's probably not a solution for everything. Like in the process of boning up on Notion, I've, I've watched some, some videos and seen some blog posts by folks that like run their whole lives out of Notion. And that seems a little weird to me, uh, but we, well, we can talk about why, but some of those limitations you talk about to me make it really not the app. It's not going to replace Obsidian or OmniFocus or, or yeah. apps that are, kind of more center focused and, and frankly better for that kind of stuff, but it is useful. And especially in the context of collaboration, but maybe before we get into what we're doing with notion, we should talk about where we were and why we're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Because to be clear, it's not that we hate Airtable and Google Docs now. That is not the case. Um, we have just decided that we're going to simplify things and, um, you know, use this as an opportunity to review the workflows and processes involved and see if we can simplify stuff. Um, because one of the the things about any system is it grows over time, right? And it, it's kind of like, um, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of like mold and spores and fungus, um, and none of those have pretty, particularly pretty con connotations. Um, but essentially what happens with any um, automation system or workflow and process um, and it doesn't have to be involving automation at all, is that stuff just grows over time and people are just like, oh, and we also need this thing. And so they just kind of bolt it on at the end or on the side and so on. And you end up like with a motorcycle that's got three sidecars attached to it and a trailer. Um, because what you actually needed was a car that could seat four people in a trunk yeah. um, or maybe like a pickup or something. And it's only when you stop and review things that you're like, huh, Maybe instead of the motorbike with three sidecars and a trailer, we should just get a sedan. Huh, that's easier. Let's give that a try. Um, and so wh where we started was, um, well, way back in the day, we were using this service called Quip, Q-U-I-P, um, which is a sort of alternative to Google Docs for um, simultaneous, um, like, you know, um, show note writing and so on, so that we could both be in the document at the same time, because... That is something that is absolutely critical for us and part of our process, where both of us have to be able to be in the notes at the same time and making changes and adding stuff um, as the show goes on so we can check things off that we've we've talked about already um, and add things if something comes up that we want to talk about as as you know as we're recording. Um, and so that was a hard recurrent. We started out with Quip. Quip was okay. It was a good idea to experiment with it and it even had automation options. Um, but it was not the best solution. So we then moved from just kind of, we're just going to have like um, a standard shared Mac OS, iOS, iCloud calendar to um, and Quip to we're going to use uh, Google Docs and Airtable. And so we had a really lovely database set up in Airtable so we'd have 
you know, all the future shows that we were planning. Um, you know, we had a list of guests with who was like the main contact person for the guest and so on and so forth in there. Um, so we could plan everything. And then uh, I set up um, some Zapier um, and Make, uh, formerly known as Integromat, um, automations that when, um, for example, when we'd set up a show in Airtable, it would go and create a new Google Doc for us and put it in the right place and, you know, replace bits of text in, in it and so on and so forth. And this was all working pretty well. Google Docs is pretty much bulletproof when it comes to multiple people editing at the same time and so on. Um, but the problem is really like understanding that we needed like these four fields filled out in Airtable to, you know, produce the the Google Doc and so on. And why can't we just have this in one system when actually Notion is kind of perfect for this. You can have a record in Notion that itself is a document with a whole bunch of text in it. Um, and, you know, we were both sort of thinking that there would be ways to improve this system. And I don't know about you, David, but I heard on Cortex, um, it may have been more text actually um, about Mike, um, Mike's assistant just putting everything into Notion and just having it all in Notion. And Gray's assistant then did the same thing to Gray. Um, and I was like, huh, you know, if these two can put Cortex into Notion, I feel like we should try it with automators and see what automation spin we can put on it. And so far, I'm feeling like we've been pretty successful with this. Um, but obviously, you know, I I have a perhaps different perspective because I set up the Rube Goldberg machine is not quite the right name for it, but I set up the system of automating our previous workflow. So obviously, you know, you were you were sort of at my mercy there, David. Uh, well, not entirely. I understood it, but the um, but it was a little Rube Goldberg, and sometimes like you push a button on one end and the, the widget wouldn't come out the other end. And, well, you know, I, I do feel like you're right about us building too many sidecars on a motorcycle. And I think that's a great way to explain it. Uh, so notion is, um, is something we're interested in, but just before we move on, one point I wanted to emphasize is for what we do, you know, making podcasts, you really need contemporaneous text editing. That's uh, it's an, an absolute must. You need an application where, as Rose was explaining, we can have an outline. Every show we make for you is outlined. And we don't read the outline, but we keep it to keep us on track. And then when we have guests, we have an outline we share with them. And being able to go in and write in there, okay, we'll move this to the next show or whatever during recording makes the recording really smooth. And, you know, just gives us a way to to, um, to make a better show. And when all this started, the only tool to do it was Google Docs. And one of the reasons why we've reconsidered automation is Google no longer is the only game in town. There's a lot of companies mm-hmm. making contemporaneous editable text documents. Uh, and, you know, even Apple Notes, honestly, is pretty good at this point uh, yeah. for that kind of thing. And and Notion is among those. It has the ability to create a document related to a record. Rose and I are in it right now. I can see her little face next to the line she's on and she can see my little face next to the line I'm on. So we absolutely can see our edits and what the other person is doing. And so that fundamental um, requirement is satisfied, but there's a lot of tools that could do that now. Uh, You know, Google was the first, but they're no longer the only, and they're all reliable and good enough. So then we got thinking, well, what could we do more if we had it all in one place? And we are still experimenting with it, to be honest with you. But uh, I find it really nice in the sense that we have one database 
that can be displayed as a database or a list or a Kanban board and using different filters. And this is a, to a certain extent, automation. You're, you're setting up sort criteria and filter criteria. So you can just go in there at any time and see. And if like I have an idea for a show, I just put it in the idea Kanban column and then Rose sees it too. And we can think about it. And if we decide to add it to a show, then it gets a number and gets kind of into the system but it's like mm-hmm. one database where things that we used to do in multiple documents are all in one place. So it allows you to avoid repetition of data entry. Uh, that mm-hmm. is uh, an automation tool to a certain extent where it saves you the trouble of having to re-enter the data. It's also an accuracy tool because you don't make yeah. mistakes when you re-enter it, which is, you know, the two fundamental tenets really of automation. It's faster and it's more accurate. So uh, yeah. to that extent, it's already working. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, we've done some very simple things. Like we've added a sort of generic outline that we use for every show as a template. Um, and that, you know, was kind of like the first thing that we needed to do after we set up, you know, well, we need a couple of fields, like who's going to be publishing this episode? Uh, what status is it at? Um, when When is it going to be recorded? When is it going to be released? Um, what is the episode number? Um, because... You know th- those things. You know, obviously, are important information. But then, then we needed some some other information, like you know, you know what who's you know who's going to record which ad, um, and what topics are we going to talk about, and so on and so forth, so that we can put all of that together. And that was just you know we had an outline in Google Docs that you know was being manipulated and massaged together um, for, by um, uh, Make um, and. You know, uh, we were able to just take that and uh, modify it a little bit and turn it into a Notion template that now whenever we create a new episode idea, um, just feels like, you know, it just pops up in in Notion and ta-da, we have our outline ready to go. And that's very, very useful for us. Yeah, in fact, that I think is the first official automation we've done in Notion is you have templated document ability. So uh, currently, we have one for a standard show. Um, we're going to be in, I'm kind of in the process of outlining outlines for a focus show, like where we focus on one automation tool, mm-hmm. uh, one or a Q&A show. We want to do more of those in the future. We're getting a lot of questions. I think it's a, we need to do more shows where we answer those questions. Uh, guest shows, you know, application focus shows. We could come up with several templates where the kinds of things we cover in those shows are just automatically populated into the show outline for us. And that's kind of what we were doing with make, but a little different. And, um, but I, I do think one of the things that surprised me about notion as we got started with it is that notion has a, a significant amount of automation built right into the application. I mean, there, yeah. there, there are ways to automate it from outside, but, for a lot of people that get into a notion, I think you're going to find that the inside automation is 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 going to be is going to get you a long way. Yeah, and I think that that is something that is definitely worth considering whenever you're evaluating a new automation tool. Um, you know, not just how much can it be automated, but what automation or just basic features that are part of this will make your life easier that are baked right into it. Um, so, you know, the fact that we have templates, um, we have the ability to have a Kanban view and two calendar views, one for when we're recording and one for when we're releasing and things like that, that makes this a really good choice for us. You know, we were using Airtable and we could have the Kanban view and the calendar views, 
um, and the different table views um, in Airtable. And we did. But the fact that we have that and the show notes in Notion definitely puts Notion, you know, a little bit up there. Um, it's also very simple to use. So, you know, when we've got guests on the show and so on, we can send them a link to a Notion uh, file and, and or the, the Notion document for the show and just say, here you go. And, um, you know, it, it may not necessarily be something that they've definitely seen before, but let's face it, most of our guests have probably at least looked at a Notion document once in their life. Um, and, you know, it's, being completely brutally honest about it, they can't figure out how to do a Notion document. They're probably not going to be a great guest for us. Um, so, you know, I think that's, you like know, a, we're not going to have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not, I don't think we're going to have a problem with that. Um, you know, we certainly did have the old problem with Quip where people were going at it. And we'd sent them like a public link that shouldn't have required them to sign up and they ended up having to like create accounts and we had to grant them access to stuff and all sorts of weirdness. So that was definitely not great. And, you know, obviously Google Docs, pretty much everybody's run into Google Docs before, but Notion is just as simple to use and it's it's got all the information in there um, for us, which definitely makes it a lot easier. Yeah. So, but just to kind of get on the automation thread, templates are a great way to automate in Notion. And you can template not just what you want the document to say, but like one of the things I was thinking about doing, ultimately I didn't do it, but I, I did some tests with it, is I have a task list related to each podcast episode. And, you know, I've got ways to script that in OmniFocus or, or, or Obsidian or wherever you want to put, or Apple Reminders. There's a lot of ways you can do that. But like for every show, I need to work on the outline. I need to get the ads recorded. If it's mine to publish, I need to get it published. So I, I have a generated task list per show. And I really thought about just dropping that into the template, you know, because you could do that. Mm. You could put check boxes in here and say, did the ads get recorded? Did the show get uploaded, et cetera? Um, but I don't like the idea of going to another place for tasks. And Notion really is a collaborative tool for me. It's not my task manager. Um yeah. So, so I ultimately didn't do that, but that's the kind of stuff you can do with built-in Notion automation. If you've got a team task list, I think it's a great way to go about doing it because it just shows up there. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think with all of these things, you know, you have to be very careful about not adding too many different systems that work differently. Um, you yeah. know, I have my task list in OmniFocus, and that is my source of truth for my tasks. If I start yeah. having to check OmniFocus and Notion then there's a possibility I'm just not going to see something because I'm going to forget to open Notion today. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to see that you've added a task that I needed to do. Whereas if you just sent me a message and I'd added it to OmniFocus, it would be in the system and it would get done. Um, so we definitely, you know, had to be aware of both how we work um, and um, how the other person also prefers to work as part of this. Um, but I think that's also just good automation practice, knowing how you work and, Understanding that even though you have aspirations to do things differently, um, that won't happen overnight um, is definitely part of this. Yes. And um, I guess we should just mention, since you said OmniFocus, that OmniFocus version 4 came out yesterday. So yeah, it's a thing yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to do a whole episode on OmniFocus 4 and uh, all of those things um, yeah. soon, uh, David. I think... I think that's going to be an early next year one. We always like talking about task managers and stuff in, in, in the new year anyway. It's a good time of year to be doing it when people are looking at new systems and themes and resolutions and so on. So uh, we'll save that as an episode for uh, next year. Put a pin in that one. This episode of Automators is brought to you by ExpressVPN. 
If you're looking for something new to watch during your holiday downtime, this ad is for you. Maybe you've already watched Home Alone too many times this year. Maybe you just want a change from the usual movies. ExpressVPN is an ad that lets you change your online location. And if you use Netflix, that means you get a whole new library of content. Because if you didn't know, Netflix has different shows and movies in every country. So, for example, I can kick back and watch Rick and Morty on Australian Netflix, which is great because I can watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on UK Netflix, but, you know, sometimes you just want to watch something else. Or maybe you're traveling and you want to continue watching that show you were watching at home, but Netflix isn't showing it to you anymore. It's so simple to do. Just fire up the ExpressVPN app on my computer or my TV, change the location, refresh Netflix, and that's it. ExpressVPN lets you choose from almost 100 different countries, So just imagine all those Netflix libraries you can go through. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN helps you access more content on all the streaming services. Disney+, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In general, VPNs can be super slow. But the reason why so many people love ExpressVPN is it's so fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and all your shows stream in HD quality. So this holiday season, gift yourself a brand new library of content. Go to expressvpn.com slash automators right now and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash automators. expressvpn.com slash automators to learn more. Okay, Rose, in addition to the template automation, uh, recently Notion came out with an update that went more in-depth with database automations where creating records can kick off automations. So uh, have you played with this at all? So I have looked into this. I've played with this in like a couple of test areas, but we ha- I haven't actually done anything in the automators. Um, uh, uh, oh, I've forgotten the word for this. Is it a team? Um, is that what we have here? It's a team space? Sure. Um, yeah, Whatever. I think yeah. I, 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 I'm not great at the Notion terminology. I should probably have double checked that before the show, but I was busy actually yeah. using Notion. Um, so, uh, yeah, apologies, folks. Um, but yeah, I, I've played with it in my own personal area, but I haven't done anything yet in the Automators podcast. I uh, shared stuff, um, but I'm definitely intrigued and interested in doing this. How about you? Because I know you've been using Notion in a few other areas. Yeah, I mean, and I guess I should have said that earlier. So Notion, we moved the Max Sparky stuff into Notion. It's a very small team, uh, primarily two people, my, myself included, but sometimes a third or a fourth show up for one bit or another. But I just wanted a place where if I updated something that everybody else knew about it, and and historically I did a lot of this project management stuff in Obsidian, I still do my personal stuff there. But I don't, um, they don't see that. So I needed a place where we could have collaborative truth. And then, then it, then it multiplied like triples. It went to the Mac power users and the automators and the focus podcasts. And I've got a couple other personal projects. So I've got several spaces I participate in, which makes it more likely that I'll check it every day. And that's good. Uh, But getting back to these triggers. So what they've done is they've added automation triggers based on primarily two conditions. One is if you add a new page, you can trigger an automation. Or if you edit a property, you can trigger an automation. And properties in Notion are just what they sound like. It's a thing like you could say the status of a project or the type of a project or the person responsible. And those two triggers give you a lot of uh, juice if you want to start automating things. Like if you wanted to say, 
if the status changes to active, assign a task to to Joe, right? You know, and then Joe has to check on mm-hmm. the active project or ready to publish, uh, assign it to Mary, and then Mary can go and publish it. So you've got kind of stuff like that um, you can yeah. do. Um, you can have it, the, the tricks, like I said, the triggers are page added or, or property edited, but the actual actions, there's, there's quite extensive. You can add a new page, you can edit a page, you can send a Slack notification. And a lot of people in Notion pair it with Slack because Notion, I don't think is great at contemporaneous, like text communication, like Slack is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can you can even have it just edit another property. So there's there's a lot of ways you can kind of slice it up. But uh, those two triggers are two of the most common things you do. So then you can start adding automation on that basis. Yeah, yeah. So for us, you know, if if we were going to experiment with things like you know the yeah, when you know this status is updated, um, you know, which is a field, um, it's a property. Um, then, you know, assign it to this person. You know, we could do that. If we say that Joe's recorded, we could assign it to our editor, Jim, um, to to do the editing. But Jim has his own system where he works and he does not want or need to be dragged into the whole Notion Nation um, yeah. of everything that we're doing here as well. Um, and so our system for that is very simply, we make sure all the files are there and then Jim, um, you know, gets to it when his regularly set schedule uh, comes around and says, hey, you need to go and edit the Automators podcast. And he opens the Automators folder and goes, oh, look, all the files are here. Yay, well done, Rosemary and David. Um, or yeah. at least that's what what I hope he says. And, and and the problem with that has never been that Jim didn't do the work. It's usually no. that one of us didn't get the file up. So we don't need to worry about in like finding a way for Jim to like have to spend time on this. But, but yeah, it is exactly. e- even like a, with an existing team, um, this stuff can be of use. I think it really is particularly useful if you use Notion uh, databases for task management. And that's yeah. not something we're actually doing. Like when I talked earlier about saying you could drop tasks into a record, that's just a checklist. They call it uh, yeah. to-do in Notion. And the way you trigger it is you hit slash to-do and it creates a little box. But but there is another way to go about this is set up a database of tasks and then each task has multiple properties, and uh, that can work well. There's a lot of people that use it that way. Uh, to me, it's a bridge too far for making a podcast. We don't need that, mm-hmm. and I don't yeah. want to add extra complexity. But if you're doing something like that, then these automations could really, I think, come in handy. Yes, yeah, definitely. And I think a big chunk of this is understanding, you know, what do we need here? So our recording date field, for example, that has a time property on it. Because knowing what time we're recording as well as the date we're recording, that's super important. But the release date, you know, we're we're a bit fuzzy about the times that we exactly release at because it depends on a number of things, um, which aren't just us. It depends on relay schedule and, and a whole bunch of other things as well. Um, so we don't have a time on that. We have the day. So we know what day it's supposed to be released. Yeah. Um, you know, and we have a guest property, but the guest property is not something that we have to fill out because just like this episode, not every episode has a guest. Yeah. Um, but you know, we do have, you know, a section for our automators max topic, um, where we can select from a whole bunch of ideas that we've collected what we're gonna talk about on Automators Max. Yeah. And so on and so forth. And I feel like that's, you know, that's the sort of thing where, you know, it's we have to understand our own system and our own workflows and processes before we can really just, you know, dive in and and set everything up. Because as with all of these things, if the requirements are not properly understood, you can set up the most beautiful thing in the world 
and somebody's just going to come in and stick duct tape all over it and, and you know, sticky tack and all that stuff. And it's going to make it look really ugly because it didn't actually work. Um, and we have to have a system that actually works because if we don't have a system that actually works, guess what? We're not going to have a show. And that's not something we're happy to do. So we have to get this right. Well, and one of the nice things about this new system is that you can reference other database documents inside the database. So like you mentioned yeah. Automators Max, we we created a separate database of Automators Max ideas and we can put notes in there and they're not tied to an episode. With our old system, they were tied to the particular Google Doc. And now we can be more fluid with it and say, well, today let's talk about a Christmas playlist, for example, which is what we're going to talk about today in Automators Max. And and mm-hmm. you, we've already got a document with all our notes to it. We can just incorporate it into the existing outline and go from there. So that is definitely more efficient and a little more automator friendly as well. Yeah, yeah, especially because it means that we can have a whole bunch of ideas. And you know what David and I do every so often is we'll sit down and just have like a, a sort of general chit chat planning session where we'll try and come up with a whole bunch of ideas. And the fact that we can have ideas for shows, ideas for Max topics and so on, we can just dump them down. We don't have to relate them to each other right now. And even if we do decide to link this thing to that thing at some point, um, then we can unlink it right until, you know, we've recorded the episode of, of uh, Automators um, and and change it to something else. So, you know, I had a really great idea that I wanted to talk about on the last episode. And then I was like, hang on a minute. Like, this is a really great Automators Max topic, but it's not an Automators Max topic that I feel like we should talk about today because, you know, we were talking about Christmas automations and David's just been getting excited about 3D printers. So we talked about 3D printing Christmas stuff. Um, and I've saved that epi- that that um, Max topic for a future episode with all of the notes and it took two clicks to change. And yeah. that's, you know, that's the mark of a great system that's going to be good for us to use because if we don't have to automate it because the system just works, that's even better. But by just being able to to think a little bit more um, generically is not the right word, but being able to think in a, in a manner where we can identify, you know, unique components and and split them up in a way that they can be put back together. It's like Lego, right? That's how we build the show. We, we take Lego pieces and we figure out what it is that we're going to build and how we're going to build it. And then we actually build it. Um, but while we're figuring out what it is and how we're going to build it, we don't necessarily know which bricks we need. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, that's exactly what we're trying to do here. Um, I One thing I would like to, um, I'd, I'd like to kind of continue on the internal uh, automation, though, in Notion for a bit. The, so we, we've talked about the template-based and then the more active trigger-based automations. And I would say the third leg of this built into Notion is uh, Notion has its own AI engine. And I w- did some research on it over the weekend as we prep for the show. I think it is a licensed version of ChatGPT at some level, and the um, and I don't know the details. And it you need to buy like a year of it, so I have limited experience with it. You do get some free some free AI inquiries, and I think as I said earlier, we're going to talk about AI more next year. I'm still kind of getting my arms around what I could do with AI in Notion. I can tell you, having a ChatGPT account, I feel like that's a stronger engine and ability to do it. Cause like in chat GPT, I can have it make me pictures and do all sorts of stuff. I think a lot of that is in notion, but not all of it. But the advantage I see in notion is if you're in with notion, you're using it, like you can have it say, you know, outline an employee onboarding process and it's going to use notion 
um, syntax and organization to put that together. And it's going to just fit right in your Notion database. You're not going to have to do any um, massaging of data. It just generates it for you right there. But, you know, every app these days has an AI component to it. You know, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm just waiting for the fart app with AI built in because it seems like that's that's going to happen. Feels like everything has AI built in, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least at work, AI is built into a whole bunch of stuff. And then, of course, it had to be immediately turned off because, yeah, there's no way we're just feeding all of our code into that. that yes, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the thing people forget is that the AI is not on your device; it's somewhere else. And in order for it to do its thing, it needs to know what you're what you're writing. But the um, I do feel like the notion would be a good candidate for AI if it's done right. And they've got yeah. a component. They've been doing it for a year. Uh, the most recent thing they've done is that you can ask it a question and it'll try and find an answer based on your own notion database. Uh, so rather than go out to the internet and look for it, it will look at your database. So if you've got a big extensive database, let's say like your company and you put all your employee policies and procedures in there, and you know, let's say that's a 50,000 word document, you can ask it a question and it will go into that document and find the answer for you. And yep. uh, that is in beta right now. But if you have a paid AI account, I think you might already have access to it. So, so that's the kind of internal automation they're doing. It's, I mean, they're clearly invested in it. And a year from now, I think there's going to be even more of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that is you know, the the magic of this where, where you're feeding it the right data yourself um, to start with and you get the right answers, then that that's that's perfect. Um, and uh, it's, it's one of those things where, as with all of these things, you've got to have like the right data and the right structure and so on in place in the first place. And that's one of the reasons why we are not just, you know, copy pasting everything that we had. I mean, we did start by copy pasting a, a bunch of stuff um, from Airtable and Google Docs into Notion, but we're not just leaving it at that. We're using this as an opportunity to review how we do things and why we do things the way that we do them so that we can make sure that things are set up in a way that will make more sense um, for us. So, you know, what are the things that we um, should definitely look at is, um, you know, like when we change the type of podcast episode that we're recording, that it can add um, some other information to the the document for us. But what we don't want it to do is just replace the document that's there with something else, because if we've already written, written a bunch of notes into it, then we're going to lose all of that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we have to figure out exactly what it is we're going to do with this automation to make sure that it works in a way that is intuitive to us and friendly but also, um, you know, makes our lives easier. Now, let's talk about automation Notion from outside of Notion, because it is a cloud-based database, and you can do quite a bit with these third-party cloud automation services. Uh, most all, you know, they have an API, and most things can plug into it. Like just the other day, I, as an experiment, I connected it to my Trello account, uh, I like Trello. Uh, I don't use it for everything, but I, I, you know, I use it on some things. And having that Kanban board view through Trello, you can also just plug it straight into to Notion. But if you go through their connected app list, there's a lot of options in there for automation tools. Yeah, there really are. I mean, I'm obviously slightly biased uh, because um, uh, the one of the the companies that I founded at Snail Development taken over Alex Hayes apps after his sad passing. So that means that we are now uh, the proud uh, 
keepers, uh, groundskeepers. I don't know what the right word is, but we're looking after Nautomate. So obviously I started using Nautomate for a whole bunch of stuff. And the first thing that I created um, were two shortcuts, two very simple shortcuts, um, which is one, add automators max topic idea. And number two, add automators podcast topic idea. Um, And so I have two little shortcuts um, that I have access to um, so that I can just add an idea of automators or automators max um, to those databases. um, And I can optionally add more information. And I then went a little bit further, David, because... I, you know me, I, I'm yeah. the gold star we, kind we of girl. I'm not going to do the it. basic version. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so if I type multiple lines into my um, into the ideas section to start with, it'll split it and go through each one and add each one as an idea. So it's not just going to do like one, it's not just going to add one database entry with like four ideas in, in the title. It's going to add four separate ideas um, into that. And uh, yeah, I'm quite proud of that. It was very simple to create the, the uh, shortcut. Um, Alex did a fabulous job on that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's that's the sort of thing that I like having because, um, you know, if I have an idea when I am offline, for example, I can just write stuff into drafts and then I can copy it over and just use shortcuts to add it later um, when, um, you know, when I do have internet, which turned out to be very helpful recently because I was on a train and got stuck in a tunnel for like an hour and a half. Um, so having a system where I know, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then I was able to create a drafts action. Yep. Which just takes the content of the draft and shoves it into the shortcut. But that's all I needed to do because drafts has full shortcut support and shortcuts then has Notion support. Of course, drafts also has Notion support um, through its API. And that's definitely something I need to look into a lot more. But that's just, you know, some of the basic stuff that's you know, we're all probably already using or at least vaguely familiar with that has Notion support built right in. Okay, so let's talk about that a bit. Um, first of all, Notomate, as I understand it, works on Mac, iPhone, iPad, right? It's not just a, yeah. the iPhone. So it, it allows you to create shortcuts that can manipulate an existing database in Notion. So you don't have to go into the app or to the website. You can just write a shortcut. And the the beauty of that is not only the the quick way you can add stuff to Notion, but it's also the way you can use one set of data collection in a shortcut and yeah. And put it in multiple locations. Let's say you wanted to new, do a new project where you wanted to create a project database record in Notion. You wanted to set a meeting on the calendar and you want to send an email to all the key participants, right? Uh, r- rather than do that three times, you would just write a shortcut that collected the necessary data and then distributed that data to those three locations. It took the, you know, the event time and date and name creates the event. It takes the the project name and puts the notion database record in and it you know the it has a template to send the email to the key players and uses the same stuff here's the event time and date and the record and that's the beauty of shortcuts really in a lot of ways is it allows you to to automate multiple apps and data sources at once but that was always not really a thing for notion right notion doesn't have shortcut support so alex and now rosemary has has built a, a system into that so what, to begin with, what's involved for someone listening to connect Notomate, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I like it, Notomate to Notion. I mean, so you, you have to connect it so when you run the shortcut, it knows what database to put them in. Well, uh, so to start with, um, the first thing you do when you if you download uh, Notomate um, is it will prompt you and walk you through connecting your Notion account. 
um, with Nautomate. So they actually can talk to Notion and not just Notion generically as a whole, but your Notion. Um, and then from there, um, you have a number of various different um, uh, actions um, and they're all documented in the app, I should note. Um, and um, the first thing that you will probably want to do is to use find databases or similar to find your database. If you're looking at, you know, potentially having uh, multiple different databases that you may want to add this into, um, you know, if I'm, if, for example, um, I wanted to have the option to add um, something to either the the automator's um, uh topic database or the automator's max topic database or the guest topic database, I could use find database. Um, but also in, in the shortcut section, I can just select a specific database if I, if I, if I know exactly which one it's going to go into. Um, and then from there, you know, it will, it can read out the properties and so on and, and help you figure out how to add everything that you want or need to add. Um, and it's very, very clever the way Alex has done this because the problem with um, Notion um, is it's not just there is a database entry. It has a title. It has a um, a note. It has a date field. It has a comment field. No, no, no. Like it can have any uh, any number of any kind of fields. So exactly what it is you're going to have to fill in is going to depend on which database you're talking to and how it's set up. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I decided that I was going to create uh, separate shortcuts um, rather than just one shortcut um, to add different um, kinds of uh, ideas for automators so that I can just, you know, have it prompt me for a couple of different things if I'm adding an actual automators uh, episode idea um, versus an automators max episode, uh, automators max topic idea. Um, but you've got the option to, you know, use the action for get details of your database so that you can get the title of your database, what page it's on, um, and more. And um, yeah, and you can, you know, just add, a, add, add an entry to your database. And it sounds very simple when I say that, um, but there's a values field that will accept, you know, an array or, or or dictionaries and, you know, and help you sort everything out. And there's tutorials built into the app, uh, just to be clear. So you can tap on anything and, okay, add entry to database. And you start reading through and you're there going, there's the word values, there's array, there's dictionaries, JSON formatted. Oh my God, I'm confused. Scroll down a little bit if that happens to you, or even if it doesn't. Okay. And there's add entry to database um, as a tutorial. That's also in the tutorial section. And then there's also a couple of um, example shortcuts at the bottom that you can just have a play with um, and uh, see how they work um, to figure all of that out. And, you know, uh, when I first started uh, using this, I read through all the tutorials and so on, partially just checking to make sure that I actually knew what tutorials we had and so on um, and and so on. But yeah, you can figure out what kind of blocks you want to add um, and all sorts of things when you when you go through adding all of this. So it's very simple um, to, uh, to to work with once, once you have your database set up. If you don't have a database set up, you may have to use the create database notion, uh, Nautomate action um, instead. But uh, I'm sure you'll figure that out. Yeah, I, I'll say because I've been testing out um, different sources, and, and I knew this episode was coming. I wanted to see what's out there. Like using it with a cloud-based automation system can work, but the Nautomate I think is much more much superior because you don't have to send the data to a third party that then sends it to a third party. You've got a direct connection. You know, your API basically linked to your database. And it happens immediately. And there's, you don't have to pay for an extra service or anything. It just happens. 
And I, I mean, there's a remarkable list of actions related to Notion in here. But I just, the only one I find myself using is add record to database because that's the one, right? You've, you've got whatever it is you're working on, you probably already set it up in Notion, uh, but you want to add records to it on the fly. And being able to do it like Rose talked about with the drafts and a shortcuts action, and like I talked about, then use the, the data you put in for the Notion record and use it for something else too. That's that's golden, right? And then you just got everything together. Like I was talking earlier how I do a lot of project management type stuff in Obsidian. I like to have my project records there. It's local. It always works. They're just text files. I can work in them anytime on any device. But I didn't like the idea of having to go into Notion and create a record for a show, but also create a record for a show in Obsidian. That's like two things, right? Who wants to do two things? But Nobody, you can create right? a yeah, you can create a shortcut that fills all that out, uses the template in Obsidian, does its its thing over there, then it goes over to to Notion, adds the record, does its thing over there, and very quickly you can go from thought to fully germinated project with just a couple you know shortcuts. And I think that's for people on the Apple platforms that that's golden, and it makes Notion to me a lot more attractive. Yes, definitely. And I think the other thing is, is if I've had an, an idea for a show, then you can also use the ability to retrieve that information um, and, you know, just say, hey, I just want to create um, an Obsidian note for this upcoming show, which is already a notion. And you can just grab that data and pull it out and use the same setup to, to create that Obsidian note um, with the information that's come from the record. And that to me is the beauty of this kind of automation where you're building something and you, you go, okay, so I want to create a Notion record and I want to create an Obsidian document. Um, and if I create the Notion record first, that data feeds my Obsidian document. And then you can go, oh, wait, I didn't create the Notion record, but I can just select the Notion record and feed that into my shortcut that creates the Obsidian document. And bam, you've got suddenly two automations which solve problems. Um, and that's, you know, that that's really where the whole magic begins. Um, because you know, you're, you're not just doing one thing, you're doing more than one thing, but because you're doing more than one thing, you can break it down a bit further and make it do even more. Well, I am happy with our, uh, our venture into notion. I feel like I've got my arms around it more than I did our old system, because frankly, it's easier to have everything in one place. And the automation is, is further advanced than I expected, both inside the notion automation tools and the stuff we're able to do from the outside with tools like Notomate. And if you're Notion curious, don't let the lack of automation hold you back. Um, uh, I'm going to put the big caveat here, though. I don't think Notion is the solution for your personal operating system. I don't think that you should really build out your whole task and notes and all that into Notion. And there's a lot of people out there that would argue with me that it's great, but it's an online-only service. You're putting your data with somebody else. I'm much more of a fan of kind of keeping it local. Or if I'm going to put it in the cloud, I'd prefer, frankly, in Apple's cloud because I think they do a better job of protecting security. And with advanced data protection, you can end-to-end encrypt it. End-to-end encryption is not an option with Notion, to my knowledge. I, I looked into it and wasn't able to find anybody finding a way to do that. So that there are limits to what it can do. But if you're on a team of people, whether it be small or large, Notion is an excellent tool to keep everybody on the same page. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think with all of these things, you know, um, if you're going to send hate mail about Notion not being a personal operating system, that FYI is for David. If you want to yeah, use Notion, go for it. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, you know, I think there are other options out there. Um, but at the same time, you know, a personal operating system should benefit you. And maybe you don't need a personal operating system. Maybe you need a, an operating system for recording a podcast which is yeah. exactly what we've done in Notion. Maybe you need an operating system for organizing this really weird, crazy, complex work project where some people like viewing things like this, other people like viewing things like that. And the problem is, is when people are looking at things two different ways, they don't see all the same stuff. Believe it or not, we have this problem at work. Um, and so by having some kind of system that brings it together so everybody is looking at the same data with just two different views that's better. Um, and that is where something like Notion really does excel. And the fact that it has automation built into it and it has integrations now with things like Zapier um, and uh, Make, formerly Integromat, um, and, and you can add if this and that and so on um, if you want to. Um, and there's options using things like Nautomate and Drafts and so on on your devices. I think that that's the point where it goes from, this is a really great idea in theory with 17 caveats to this is a pretty good idea you know what this appeals to me i'm gonna give it a shot um and i think with all these things you can learn so much in automation wise and also just tech wise and about yourself by experimenting with these things because that's what we're doing here we're like you know our automation system for automators it's not finished there is no such thing as finished. As long as this podcast continues to go, our system will still uh, continue to evolve. And if it yeah. doesn't continue continue to evolve, let's just say we're probably doing it wrong because you know we're hosting this podcast. We should be continually evolving and adapting our systems. And if we're not, then I feel like we're failing you um, as our listeners. Um, and so the fact that we have switched to Notion, are we going to stay here forever? Who knows? We don't know what's going to come out next year. We don't know what's going to come out next week or tomorrow. Um, but we do know that this is working very well for us right now, solving the problems that we have. And we have less automation now in our system, but we have a better system. And that actually is perfect for us at this point in time. Are we going to add more automation in the future? I guarantee it. What will that look like? I don't know. You'll have to tune in in a couple of months to find out. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Text Expander. Your shortcut to efficient, consistent communications. Get 20% off your first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash automators. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website. These are the kinds of things you want at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster. And that's why you need TextExpander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest for you. You just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Then create your chosen abbreviation and they'll be with you wherever you type. You can even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. This will make sure that you still keep the personality in the communications you send. 
TextExpander is available on any device you use across any app you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. I use TextExpander every day. It helps me deal with email. It helps me fill in forms. It does so much for me. I literally have thousands of TextExpander snippets. I've been using the app for years, and I'm totally sold. As an automator, this is a great way to get started. And honestly, as you go down the automator path, you're going to get even more powerful and be able to use the features even more because it has things like Apple scripts and shell scripts and all sorts of great fill-in-the-blank type automation. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need TextExpander. Check out TextExpander today at textexpander.com slash automators, and you can get 20% off your first order. That's textexpander.com slash automators to say goodbye to repetitive typing. And our thanks to TextExpander for their support of the Automators podcast. Okay, Rose, let's set a notion aside for a minute. Uh, what are you working on in terms of automation elsewise these days? Well, so one thing I've been working on, and I need to figure out a little bit more automation on this, to be honest, is um, instructions. <laughs> okay, and this is going to sound really boring, and some people are immediately going, eh, and what? Now, you you, ha- you have my full attention. I this is, this is the kind of stuff that I'm excited about, so... I don't care. Just tell me about it. Well, so it's one of these things, right? We all have like friends and family members who are perhaps not so great with technology, right? Um, Or we have something that we need to do from time to time where it's just like, we just need step-by-step instructions on this is what you need to do and how you're going to do it. Um, And I've run into a couple of these scenarios at work recently. I've been doing some other things. One of my colleagues is unfortunately going to be out for a while. We don't know how long. Um, And so I've been doing a a number of things that she used to do. Um, But one of the things I realized very quickly is if you send an email in text that says, do this, do this, do this, people will just skim it, right? And they'll just jump straight to like step 13. And it's like, okay, but you missed steps one through 12 because you thought you knew what you were doing. But actually... The order of steps three and four are really, really, really important. If you did those wrong, that's not going to work. You're going to do everything wrong. Um, And so I tried to figure out, okay, can I do something better? I actually messaged you about this, David, um, because ages ago on Mac Power Users, there was a recommendation of a service um, and it started with a C. Um, It no longer exists, so it's somewhat moot. But I thought it was a Mac like menu bar application where you could just like take a couple of screenshots, write some text and be like, ta-da, here's some pretty instructions. Uh, and it turns out it was an online service and you sent me some other recommendations um, and so on. And I was like, eh, I don't want a service for this, you know, especially um, for things that I'm predominantly using it for. This is work related. So I don't want to just be shoving a bunch of work stuff into a cloud that I haven't cleared with my boss and so on. That's just going to cause problems. Um, and so I was trying to figure out what I could do. And I was like, you know what? There's a couple of really great apps that are really great for like writing. Like, I don't know, BB Edit. Like it's, I've loaded ginormous. And I, when I say ginormous, I mean like multi-million word documents into BB Edit and it didn't even blink at me. Like that's how great BB Edit is. And I was like, and there's this really lovely app by this guy called Brett Terpstra nobody's heard of uh, called Marked, which can take a Markdown document and preview it really nicely. And it's got custom themes. Hmm. Interesting. And you know, if I use something like, say, shortcuts, then I could just create a folder and create a document in that folder and open that document in BB Edit and Marked. And if I use Bunch, then I can actually just prompt myself so I can have 
like, you know, shortcuts um, open to that folder that's got that in. Open BB Edit with the whole, with all of the instructions in the folder and open um, and so on. And then I can just select the right one and open it in Marked. And I was like, hmm, you know what? We're onto something. So I spent like 20 minutes working on a custom theme. Um, and I created some really pretty PDFs. And when I say pretty PDFs, I sent these to a couple of people and they're like, oh my gosh, it looks amazing. This it must have taken you hours to do. And I'm there going, seriously, I spent like 10 minutes working on the design. To be fair, I, I am a web developer. I do know how to, to manipulate CSS and so on. De- designing yeah. a custom theme for Marked for somebody else may take a bit longer, but there's lots of really great things that you can just steal off the internet out there, to be honest. Um, so, you know, I didn't spend very long doing that. And then I literally just took a couple of screenshots, wrote some instructions in Markdown, and then exported it as a paginated PDF using Marked and sent it over. And you know what? The person I sent it to did every single step because I made them nice and spaced out and they've got like nice big numbers uh, next to them that have got like a little circle around them and everything showing you number one, number two, number three. And I've sent a couple of different ones of these instructions to a couple of different people so far and everybody has done every step and I have not had to have the back and forth of, no, you did steps three and four the wrong way around. No, seriously, trust me, you need to do them in the, I know you think it's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. Please do step number three and then step number four. No, don't start with something that you already think you started the right way. Just start from the beginning. There's been none of that. I've just been creating these. Um, And it doesn't take me a lot of time. So my shortcut very simply asks me, what it like, what are you writing instructions about? And it creates a folder for me. And then it creates a template markdown file in that folder because in marked um or when you use marked if you put some custom headers at the top of the document then it can read those and it knows what template to use and so on and so forth um and this is all in the marked documentation which is really good um and so i have it create um, a folder and then a file with the same name inside of that folder and then that's opened up in finder that folder for me so then whenever I take a screenshot, I can just drag it into that folder because I'm using clean shot. So when I take a screenshot, it appears, it hovers up in the bottom left hand uh, menu and I can use clean shot to annotate things with like a little arrow and stuff like that in there as well. So this is all, you know, very, very simple and easy to use. And I just drag it into the folder, um, rename it to something nicer and I can just pop it into my text. Um, and this is working really well and I'm getting some very pretty looking instructions out of this which people are liking and they are following. And I am, like, it sounds very nerdy to be very excited about writing technical documentation, but you know what? I'll take it because I am very happy with what's happening here. No, that that makes total sense. I'll tell you, I'm using a service for training because I do have people I work with and I want to make sure they get stuff right. And as, you know, Sparky, the screencaster, I have the best tools in the business to make professional screencasts, but I don't want to do that just to show somebody how to, you know, you know, process a new customer or something. I, I just want to make a quick screencast for them to show them. And I signed up for a Loom account, L-O-O-M. And mm-hmm. uh, man, that is super useful for quick automated screencasting. Like you just make it, uh, you send it, it saves a link to their cloud. So you don't have to deal with the file. You do very basic edits. It's not, nothing that I could ever use for like a field guide or even as a as a labs video, but it does work for, um, you know, getting quick instruction across. So like if you wanted, 
I, I think your your situation is different, right? But if, yeah. for me, dealing with people where I'm showing them how to do something online or something, uh, Loom is so fast, and it's just a, such an easy way to do it. The other thing I'm finding I use it for is sometimes I get emails from people that are, you know, um, I've been around the internet long enough. People sometimes send me personal emails that you know have something they're dealing with or whatnot, and sometimes I'll just make them a video. Like you don't know, you don't want to respond to serious text with text sometimes because text is so one dimensional. With something yeah. like Loom, you can just make a quick video, send them a link, and and you're good. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, I find Loom is a somewhat related tool that I think automators would be interested in because it just makes the process so quick. Yes, yeah. And I think um, for me, the the other part of this is if I created videos, which trust me, I was tempted to create videos, is first of all, I'm a perfectionist. I'm going to want to get it 100% right, and that could yeah. take a very long time. And yeah. the other thing is if something changes, like even just a little bit as part of this, then yeah. I have to go and make a whole new video. And the idea with these documents is I'm sticking them all in a, a SharePoint folder. Oh my God, I'm using SharePoint. Um, but you know what? It's the right place for it because I have a SharePoint folder where a bunch of people can go in and look at these and download them. Um, and, um, you know, if if there's something that they need to check, they can, you know, I'm sending them a link to the document. So they're always going to be going and checking the latest version rather than sending them an attachment. Um and uh, yeah, if something changes, you know, if we change the name of something, I can just open up all of these in BB Edit because BB Edit can open a folder of files as well. And I can just find like that phrase and replace that phrase anywhere um, that I need to. Um, and I can just do it as like globally, just replace everything that says the bananas with bananas in pajamas. Um, um, you know, obviously silly example, um, but, you know, I can do that or I can, you know, analyze it on a case by case basis and replace it here, don't replace it there, skip, you know, and so on. And that for me is very, very powerful. Videos obviously are fabulous for a lot of things. Um, I think uh, at least work-wise, I'm going to leave those to the, um, the the person who is currently making a whole bunch of training videos for our customers um, because these the things I'm doing at work are very much intended as internal documentation. It's, what is this feature? Why do we have it and how does it work? Um, and, and so on. Um, so yeah, but, uh, I've sent a couple of these to, uh, my parents as well. My dad was asking me, wait, so how can I watch that, that John Lennon thing on, on, on Apple thing? What's it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and like, you know, I've, uh, I, I, I just, you know, took a couple of screenshots and showed him how to do it. And he's watching the new John Lennon documentary. Um, and he's happy. So, you know, working with family and with friends, which definitely works for me. Yeah, that that gentleman. I watched the first episode of it. it made me so sad. But the, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, you do need to know your audience when you're doing that training stuff. Like I think if Rose were to send videos to her fellow developers saying "just watch my video," they would throw they would not throw um, virtual daggers at her. They would probably throw actual daggers at her. So you've got to know your audience. So I have. Definitely sent videos to my colleagues before oh, on no. things where I was trying to explain. But but at the same time, it was very useful because it was like, okay, well, here's what I'm seeing when I do this thing. And if you just sent somebody like 10 screenshots, then they kind of have to like look at it and piece it together and make a mental video. So sending somebody like a quick 10 second video of like I click and then like this thing happens and it, it, yeah. it sets off fireworks and it's very weird. Um, that's much more beneficial for that sort of thing. But that's not really as a documentation thing. It's just like, here's a quick yeah. example of what I'm seeing and what's going wrong. And then usually we end up, you know, hopping on like a, a screen sharing call and, and figuring it out together. Um, but yeah, I, I have sent videos before, but usually as a, this thing's being weird. Like, does anybody else see this thing being weird? 
oh, right. Yeah, when it's weird, like you need to do this thing to work around it. And yeah, we should really fix that or something like that. Are you still using Bunch for your um, contextual setups? Yeah, yeah. So um, I have a bunch, um, which will help me like go into documentation mode. <laughs> I've literally called it docs mode um, and uh, D-O-C-S, just to be clear. Um, and uh, yeah, it opens BBEdit. It has it, it tells BBEdit to open the folder where all of the instructions are. Um, it activates Marked. It puts BBEdit and Marked split screen. And then it puts Finder um, for the folder with all the docs in on my other screen. Um, for me so that I have, um, because I'm using Moom to place everything um, as part of the bunch. So bunch is opening up stuff and then running Moom. And uh, the other thing it puts on my other screen is shortcuts. Um, and it's just opening shortcuts to the folder where that shortcut is. So either I can work on existing documentation or I can create a new one really easily and it's all just right there. Do you, because uh, I've been using Keyboard Maestro like this for years for setting context. Mm-hmm. I'm always tempted to try a bunch, but I've got this thing called inertia, right? I've already got all this stuff built out in Keyboard Maestro. Are there features in Bunch that don't exist in Keyboard Maestro? Having used both, I mean, what's the case for for me taking the time to move over? I feel like we may need to to do this in a future show, but I mean, I feel like technically everything that you can that you can do in Bunch, you could do in Keyboard Maestro. But for me, Keyboard Maestro is like. It, it, it's like here is like the process of the 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 chain of things. So, yeah. for example, like hitting, um, like when we start recording automators, I use a macro in Keyboard Maestro. It's very exciting, folks. You're never going to guess what it's called. It's called Start Recording and Timestamp. Whoa! Oh gosh, I can feel the excitement coming through right back at me. Um, but um, so I use this, and what it does it activates um audio hijack, and it starts the recording. And it sets the timestamp in the keyboard maestro macro. So whenever I hit my foot pedal on my steam on my stream deck, then it goes into the BB edit document, which is the show notes, and then it hits a return key um, and then pastes the timestamp with a colon so I can just type whatever after that. So that Jim, our fabulous editor, who seriously, one of the best automation hacks for podcasting is to get a really great editor like Jim, and then he will just make magic happen. Um, but then I can se- we can send him this. Well, I say send. We put it in with all of the audio so that there's no sending. There's no asking for things back and forth. It's just, it's all together. If there's something missing, then he knows he needs to ask for it. But, you know, it's all right there. Um, and then, you know, we, we just have all of that together. So I use Keyboard Maestro macros for things like that. And I do have macros run as part of some of my bunch, um, you know, uh, bunch bunches. Uh, I don't I don't know what the right word is there. Um, but Bunch for me is very specifically, I want a bunch of applications opened, hence Bunch, um, and, you know, and maybe a couple of other things to happen, but it also closed stuff off for me, but I've never used, I've never really gotten into Keyboard Maestro for the whole setup thing. My Keyboard Maestro menu bar list is, you know, I want like these automations to be available to me. It's right next to file scripts and Bunch, and I, like, I know that there's overlap between all three of these. I'm very aware of it, but I like the fact that if I click on my bunch menu bar, then that's just like, get me ready to do this thing. Like, get me ready to join a meeting. Get me ready to write docs. Get me ready to write some code. Get me ready to do some code review um, or something like that. Um, you know, this is all day job examples where if I click the keyboard maestro macro, it's, you know, hey, like, Let's clean up a whole bunch of files that are probably floating around that we don't need anymore um, and, and stuff like that. And, and file scripts is, 
hey, uh, so I'm going to want like five different things open in iTerm at the same time. Go. Just do it for me. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there's overlap, but I love the menu bar aspect. I think for me, that's that's a big part of it. Well, I mean, in our fancy new notion, we have an idea called Setup Showdown. And this is a oh, preview yeah. because, because I don't really think it matters which one you use. I If we do that no. show, I will definitely figure out Bunch and be able to talk about it intelligently. But the um, the whether you do it with um, with Keyboard Maestro Bunch, you can also do it with shortcuts, not quite as well, um, but you can do it. Uh, but the idea is you push a button and your computer sets it up and then your brain sees it and says, oh, here's all the apps that I answer email in. Or here are all the apps that I develop code or I write contracts in or whatever. And everything is ready. Now my brain says, there's no excuse. Stop goofing around. Do the work. And it works. It works. It really works on you. So uh, we want you to do that. That'll be a show we do next year. And, and stay tuned for that. I think perhaps for me, the big thing with Bunch versus Keyboard Maestro for this specifically is that if I were to change my default browser, for example, I could just search everywhere for like Firefox. Yeah. And I can just replace Firefox with Chrome or whatever it is. You know, I'm not planning on doing that. I prefer Firefox personally for a number of reasons for at least my development work. Um, the rest Today. of the time it's Safari. Today. But right. if I were changing Safari to Safari te- Technology Preview, I've done that, gone back and forth on that multiple times. Um, and I mean, I actually use a micro, I actually use a variable for that because I'm a nerd. Why wouldn't I? Um, but, um, you know, I, like, I, I could just, find a find a replace because i have all of my bunch macros well bunch is just a whole bunch of files and just like you love obsidian because it's just files david that's one of the reasons why i love bunch keyboard maestro is brilliant i love keyboard maestro you will never take it away from me if you try and take it away from me i will be very upset with you um but i just use them differently i guess yeah yeah okay well that's something we're going to talk about next year oh yeah we are the Automators Podcast. You can find us at relay.fm slash automators. We want to thank our sponsors today, ExpressVPN and Text Expander. Uh, for those of you here on Automators Max, that's the ad-free extended version of the show. Rose and I are going to get into automating playlists. I'm looking forward to that one because I've got stuff to say. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Goodbye, folks. <laughs>